Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you so much. Today my guest is comedian Bobby Oliver. Bobby has been a comedian for over 30 years. She's so good at comedy actually that she also has a comedy school. She's a comedy teacher. Her school in LA is called The Tao of Comedy in which Bobby melds her Buddhist beliefs with her comedy styling. Actually, Bobby has a comedy book out of a similar title called The Tao of Comedy Embrace the Pause. And I paused. Anyway, Bobby comes from humble beginnings. She was born in a trailer park in Covington, Georgia. And now she's got an Amazon special out. Yeah, her Amazon special is called Bobby Oliver's Greatest Hits. But you know what? Let's just check her out. Let's just jump into the podcast. Oh, okay. Okay. It's okay. just now recording. So we okay, yeah, even got recording. yeah, I got that prison thing. Uh, you know, this call is being recorded. You know, you ever talk to anybody in prison? Uh, not lately. But it's a well, you don't you don't talk to people in prison. <laughs> um <laughs> no, I haven't. But yeah, that you always get that recording like every like you know thirty seconds. Oh, this okay. call is being recorded. This is a phone call from whatever institution. Oh, so talking on Zoom when Zoom starts, it's like a lot like a prison call. <laughs> I, I assure you, I am in Santa Monica, not in, in Chino State, another. <laughs> you know what? I don't. You know, you yeah. out wherever you are is fine with me. You know, judge. Uh, I don't but judge. I, but coincidentally, I do need something on my books. I did. <laughs> <laughs> so you know what that means. <laughs> I've said that before. Like put somebody, but everybody. I'm like, oh, you all come from from a, a good family. We have a uh, Bobby Oliver here. Bobby uh, is one of my favorite comedians. By the way, it's B O B B I E. Don't mess it up. Thank you. Don't make it masculine or whatever it is, right? <laughs> yeah, don't make me a boy. Don't get it twisted. <laughs> <laughs> or learn how to spell, too. <laughs> Everybody wants me to be a boy. I can't tell you how many. Some dude named Bobby Oliver is getting all my Venmos. Really? Oh, no. Yeah. And then people be like, can you get him to send it back? I'm like, no, that's between y'all. <laughs> You're the one that can't spell. That ain't got he, nothing to do with me. He came up ever since. <laughs> yeah, he, he's he's putting my picture on his page now. <laughs> I'm funny. the best thing that ever happened to him. You yeah. know, there are three other famous Bobby Olivers. Really? Yeah, there. Uh, one is um, a, a painter in New York, and yeah. she gets a lot of my emails, and her husband sends them to me. I have a relationship with her husband. Uh, an email wow. relationship and <laughs> uh, and then there's this australian um like historian author like people think i've written a bunch of books about wars in australia i assume there oh. have been wars in australia i, I thought you said famous that's not uh, but if you google <laughs> me you think i wrote that book and also there is this one's a guy but he spells it b-o-b-b-i-e it's this mm. blues singer named bobby mercy oliver that's a cool name, though. He sounds like the coolest one. That's, that's I would give you number one and then him like a, a, a second. Comedy is a little better than blues. And the Australian is clearly last. The, the Australian shouldn't even be in the ranking. She what, She needs to change her name. <laughs> yeah, she's, and she's a historian. That's not 
<laughs> nobody cares. <laughs> clearly, clearly nobody cares about history. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> clearly, Americans neither know nor care. No. About history. I went to public school in Georgia, so don't ask me any. Oh, questions. yeah, that's right. I should say that Bobby Oliver is from Georgia. Mm-hmm. What, what part of Georgia? I claim to be from Athens, Georgia, um, but I'm actually from a little town called Covington, Georgia. Covington. So that's outside of Athens. Outside of between Atlanta and Athens. I'm sorry if my dogs are being very loud that's right sorry. now. You, I have three be... pugs and they know not how to shut the fuck up. <laughs> Your pugs are like hecklers right now. <laughs> we have three pugs. Two of them are 13 and one of them is 15. Oh, wow. Is that so long? we are way too good at keeping stuff alive. <laughs> but the 15 the year old, she never shuts the fuck up ever. You know what? I'm just going to go shut the door. Oh, it's bugging you more than me, but what? go for it. Do, do, do it. Yeah. Okay. Do hang on. <laughs> I'm going to turn this off because I'm in my panties. Oh. <laughs> and we don't have that kind of time. Get in here, baby. Yeah. She knows state. <laughs> Rikers Island. <laughs> now, what's the one near here? Uh, what's the club? Well, what, uh, the one is Chino. The only reason, okay, so the only reason I know about prison life because a lot of people in prison has seen Cool Runnings. Oh, really? For some reason, it's like a safe movie to play where they don't, it doesn't incite violence. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, John Candy doesn't incite violence? What? <laughs> So like, yes, yeah, prisoners are always thinking that I have the time with them. <laughs> <laughs> they don't even ask the question. They just go, hey, man, we're going to stay out this time, right? <laughs> I'm, like, <laughs> I'm like, oh, I'm definitely staying out. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's probably kept you from getting your ass whooped a few times. Probably, no. Man, you that motherfucker on (laughs) Cool Runnings. I hated that fucking movie. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to whip your ass. (laughs) (laughs) You remind me of prison. I'm going to kick your ass. (laughs) When I was growing up, y'all, there was seven of us in a two-bedroom, one-bathroom trailer. Yeah, I remember my brother went to prison. He wrote me a letter. Dear Bobby, this place is a palace. (laughs) They only got two guys to a room. (laughs) They eat three times a day. He said, I want to stay here forever. Um, Oh, wait, I have to give you a proper introduction, right? Don't I? Um, Bob, Bob, sure. Bob, Bobby Oliver, Bobby Oliver com, uh, comedian extraordinaire. Uh, you've been doing it for years and you've been teaching. What's fascinating about you is that you teach comedy and, and you do it well because you've churned out a, a bunch of comedians in LA and um, some people <laughs> love you for it. And <laughs> Some people hate me, but I have all the right enemies. Sounds like a <laughs> good country song all the right enemies well i will not be writing it um <laughs> contrary to my my accent uh, this is how you know you're old now when people introduce me as a legend <laughs> you're like legend bobby Oliver. i'm like oh fuck i'm old i got old <laughs> that's kind of cool though 
yeah you, you could be older and not get the legend thing yeah know? it could be uh cunt bobby oliver <laughs> <laughs> could be worse <laughs> <laughs> that's good but people in prison don't recognize me at all well that's good <laughs> <laughs> they don't play my movie well, when, when you when you get to my level <laughs> <laughs> friends in low places <clears throat> i love having it you know yeah. that song uh friends in low places yeah so one time when i was on the road on the east coast i was doing this gig i think it was in georgia maybe like really south georgia somewhere and um it was like so redneck i was scared <laughs> like they had like literal cowhide on the bar stools mm. and uh so before the show started they put on that song that uh i got friends in low place who sings that song i actually don't know who sings it I oh you know what's what's his what's his fuck anyway george Strait. no no uh, no no he's older uh, oh. uh or he's dead <laughs> I'm just guessing. Uh, somebody Google it because we don't care enough to figure it out. Anyway, <laughs> right. that that right. that song came on. I got and the whole bar is singing. I got friends in low places. <laughs> like it's going crazy. And then uh, the 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 bartender or somebody was like walking across the room and like tripped over the plug to the jukebox or whatever. Yeah. And it went off. The song stopped. And everybody was like, oh, damn. So, so instead of like plugging it back in and restarting it, he mm. goes, okay, well, here to make you laugh is Bobby <laughs> Oliver. Oh, man. It's, it's Garth <laughs> Brooks, like, by the way. Garth Brooks, yes. Garth Brooks. I was like, fuck. So I was like, all right, let's sing it together. And we just sang, <laughs> you know, sang the song until they got it out of their system. And that's then a I great way. See, that's smart. That's like a a, a clever way to. Yeah, it's free. a clever way to not get murdered by a <laughs> cowhide <laughs> bar <laughs> full of rednecks. <laughs> I wish I had thought of that, but it, because I was in uh, in La Puente or someplace doing a show and and uh, they turned off the Laker game. Oh. <gasps> I told you it's comedy time. Enough with this game. And the guy shuts it off. And, and now the comedy of Raul D. Lewis. Like, <laughs> oh, <laughs> and people were pissed. They didn't give a damn. <laughs> and did you be like, okay, here's let's break out a basketball. But I'm always performing up against whatever, you know, big thing is happening. One night I was on stage and um, I noticed that People are starting to drift away from me on stage over to the bar. And I'm like, wow, am I doing that bad? And and then after my set, I realized it was because uh, this guy named OJ Simpson was in a car chase oh. in LA. And, we, you know, on the East Coast, like, we don't have car chases. We don't, like, no. televised car. Like, so not only was it something that we didn't usually see on TV, but it was uh, it was fucking O.J. Simpson. And I'm over here, like, Either anybody way. like football? <laughs> Isn't that <laughs> what played? <laughs> yes, but you can't compete with a double homicide. <laughs> <laughs> I have tried. <laughs> he killed three people that day. He killed my set. <laughs> and you've um, killed but not literally you know so, so you don't you don't compete <laughs> wouldn't it be funny if i admitted that on this podcast <laughs> like i'm like well actually wrong i would cut that um, out because i ain't no snitch ah uh, thank you unless 
it was your wife or your girlfriend, <laughs> and it would be pretty likely. <laughs> you've you've been on the road like for how long? Would you say? Well, I started doing comedy when I was 19 years old, wow. uh, which was 1988. I should probably lie about that. Most people don't know math. Uh, good. Uh, <laughs> don't use the calculator on your phone. I started a comedy group in my college when I was 19. Oh, yeah, and yeah, then yeah. I, you know, did shows in college. And, you know, I, I don't know how much you want to hear the whole story. Well, the but... Le, well the, here's the thing is like, I kind of know a lot of this from your book, the Lagrange. Lagrange? Lagrange. I wish it Lagrange. were as fancy as Lagrange. <laughs> I made it French. Because <laughs> they're known for their humor. <laughs> 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 yeah, Jerry Lewis used to come and perform <laughs> at LaGrange. LaGrange, right? Yeah, it was a Christian school, but they oh. had a really killer theater department. So I went there on a theater scholarship. And then Chris went to school there, my husband, comedian Chris Oliver. And mm. that I started a stand-up group because I wanted to do comedy, but I called the punchline in Atlanta about an open mic, and they said it was 21 and over to get in. So I didn't want to wait two years to try comedy. So I started a group at my school. You're a go-getter. I, pr I produced the first show I was ever in. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. It was after the second mental institution I'd been in. I came oh. out and I was like, I'm going to do comedy. I didn't know that about you. I didn't know you, you didn't. Hmm. Oh, OK. So when I was in 11th grade, I spent most of my junior year well, I was 16. I spent most of my junior year in a rehab slash mental institution. Oh. Yeah. It was my best year of high school. <laughs> it was my favorite year of high school. That's, That's where bad. I found out I was funny. They told me that if I signed myself in, I would only be there for two weeks. Mm. That's how they get you. <laughs> Don't believe them. Like multi-level so, marketing. Huh? So I was there for months and I had to buy a timeshare. Um <laughs> <laughs> no, I was there for months. And then when I was in college, I spent like Christmas break at another hospital. Oh, what yeah. did you say? Did you check yourself in or did you like your Well, my mama or... found pot and and liquor in my room and you know needed a break from me. So oh, she okay. checked me into a place, came and picked me up from school. I didn't even know I was about that I was being taken there and I didn't get a chance to say bye to any of my friends or anything. So mm. but you know. I'm kind of glad it happened. Oh, really? Yeah, because, you know, I they loved that I killed. <laughs> what? Like, doing three nights a week. <laughs> <laughs> so it was like a Vegas um, residence. Yeah, residency. <laughs> <laughs> the residency. You know, so we produced shows at my college and it would be like sketch, stand up, sketch, stand up. Mm. And we had like a college band. And, and then, you know, the week... The week of my 21st birthday, I did a, an open mic at the Punchline in Atlanta and was like, I'm never doing anything else as a gift wow. as long as I live. And so when we graduated from college, I was like, OK, so and we got married. I was like, I don't know how to start a comedy career, but if you could do it in Georgia, it would be in Athens, Georgia very supportive of the arts, very liberal. So we moved there. Plus we used to get mushrooms there every weekend when we were in college. Um, so I was like, well, if, <laughs> if there's not comedy, at least we know there'll be mushrooms. <laughs> Honestly, every time I have some shit to sort out mm -hmm. in my head, I do shrooms. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. It's like going up on a mountain and getting your act together for me. Right. Yeah. Like Moses. 
Brides just like Moses. <laughs> in fact, Moses was on shrooms. Little known, little known fact, they cut that out of the Old Testament. Well, he would have to have been, right? <laughs> the people who believe it must be. <laughs> I'd realized, like, I know a lot about you, but now I'm learning more. Like, I didn't know. I didn't know that uh, booze and liquor was caused to be in a mental institution. You know, I mean, just, I just want to get rid of me. But everybody's everybody smoked pot. I mean, everybody did. So, yeah. But I did. I was an AA for many years in high school and college. Oh. Okay. And that's where I started getting my, like, public speaking experience. Yeah. Right, I, right. Yeah. I had fun in AA. So you found your persona early then. But when I was a kid, my daddy and I would stay up and watch uh, Johnny Carson every night. Yeah. Well, you um, thank him in your book, like, for. Yes. For that, you know introducing you to Johnny Carson. I should yes. mention you have, you have a book called The Tao of Comedy, which is a pretty good book. Pretty good? As, is it pretty good? Uh, all right. It's, uh-huh. it's genius. It's, it's, <laughs> it's renowned. A, it's the best book on... It's seriously, though, it's like one of the best books on written on comedy. And I think... I hope Thank it, you. like, takes off more, you know? It's called The Tao of Comedy, Embrace the Pause. Exactly. I think it's going to eventually... Like as as you become bigger as a comedian, it's going to grow and grow. It's never going away. Um, like COVID. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. Buy my book. It's just like COVID. <laughs> but so you asked me how long I was on the road. So and so as far as being on the road, I was on the road from ninety one to ninety seven. Oh, pretty okay. much full time. Pretty much. Wow. You know, most of the time only home a, home a day a week. And you were married then, so like yeah. Uh, so it was, you know, it, uh, and it was new. <laughs> it was, it was, uh, you know, thirty like the, thirty the, years the ago. Newlywed phase. Where yeah, we're supposed to be going at each other. So, like Chris, we lived in this big house on four acres in Athens, Georgia, mm-hmm. and uh, Chris lived there by himself, and I lived in some shitty hotel somewhere in like Alabama or Indiana or mm-hmm. you know whatever. And this was like pre-internet. I mean, somebody had the internet. Al Gore had the internet. People <laughs> didn't have the internet. So like you didn't, yeah, there was yeah, no yeah. smartphones. There were no laptops. There was no social media. So you were like alone, alone. So, you know, I was on the road full time for um, seven years mm-hmm. and uh, I carried a gun, by the way. Oh, wow. Isn't that a thing in, the, in Georgia though? Well, I mean, I didn't care. I only carried a gun when I was on the road. Oh, I didn't carry one before or since, but my daddy wanted me to. My daddy got it for me. That makes sense. You're like a, a woman in the in in the world. Never mind. Yeah, like cell phones. You know, I I didn't have a cell phone when I first started doing comedy. Mm-hmm. I didn't even have an ATM card. I didn't have AAA the whole time I was on the road. I didn't get AAA <laughs> till I was here. So you're a sitting duck. If some, you're right. in a different state every week, uh, you're driving around at night. You don't know, you know, where you're going. Plus. When you're not in a hotel, when you're in a condo, it's always with two dudes, uh, you know, that you don't know from Adam. Did you have to ever have to pull that gun? Uh, no, but I've threatened to pull it. <laughs> <laughs> and you're probably more threatened by the other comics than the. <laughs> yeah, that's when I threatened to pull it. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, I was on the road. At first, it's great. You know, you're getting paid to do comedy. At first, it's like, oh, my God, this is my life. Right. And then after a few years, you're like, oh, my God, this is my life. <laughs> and you just you get lo- I mean, if you like to be alone, 
go on the road. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> like I've gone to, to eat alone. I've gone to amusement parks alone. Like it's just, it's, I don't recommend that by the way, mm. the amusement, amusement park alone. Park. <laughs> yeah, I don't recommend it. Don't recommend it. So I moved, we moved to LA, sold our big house on four acres, moved to LA in 1997. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, right, we were like 27, which we were already too old <laughs> to move to LA. Oh, yeah. They're like, yeah. I'm surprised they let you in. They're like, yeah, get the <laughs> fuck out. So, um, yeah. So then I got a real job. So I went from being a professional comedian on the road mm-hmm. to being a maid and then a telemarketer and then a nanny. Oh, and then man. I started working at Pasadena City College, running their non-credit admissions office. And then I started teaching a class at Pasadena City College. So oh, it was man. all a progression. But the whole time I had real jobs, I was doing comedy, you know, almost every night. Oh, really? Because that's what I, yeah. But, you know, I didn't know anything about the L.A. market <laughs> right, I, yeah. when I moved here. And if I had, I would not have come. So I'm glad I didn't know because Why? I would not have come. Because, you know, L.A. don't pay. Oh, yeah. You know, you're trying to be seen. You're just trying to be seen and you're trying to get tight. Yeah. Yeah. So actually, my first two gigs in L.A. did pay. So I really had like a um, sense of uh, security. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So and one of them was at the comedy store and the other one was at Bicycle Casino or whatever. So, yeah. So I've been doing I've been doing comedy about 16 years when I thought maybe I had something to offer as a teacher. So I started teaching at Pasadena City College. So, uh, and then I moved it to the Ice House Comedy Club for nine years. And then I opened my own school almost 10 years ago. So it's been like a a, a long progression. Yeah, like a, what do you call it? A marathon, not a sprint. Exactly. Obviously, you probably like doing comedy more than teaching, right? You know, I, I always say that doing comedy can make you a bad person because you're always just looking for stuff to complain about but teaching comedy makes me a better person Mm. and also it keeps me young I mean not keeps me young but makes me feel young you know like Mm. I I know what people are talking about I know what people are saying I know you know I I I find out the new lingo and stuff and you know and I, I actually do very much enjoy teaching comedy I love what I'm doing I just need a a day off every now and then, you know, do you ever have to screen like who you like? Okay. This I'll, I'll teach anybody, but this person's got to go. Like, do you have to like, cause sometimes comedy can draw in as I've seen some unique personality types. (laughs) I have had people in my classes that, you know, turned out to be, you know, stalkery. I've had stalkers. Mm -hmm. I've had people just who feel I'm one of those people where you either, love me or you fucking hate me and so people like to let me know which one that is Uh, um so i have a lot of people who are just way too into me and a lot of people who really hope i die and and want to tell me that so jesus no but i have you still have that gun right (laughs) (laughs) i have had people before that i've said hey don't ever leave me alone with this person you said that to me before Right. I've said it about you before. (laughs) Never. I'm telling everybody, can you please leave me and while alone? Please, for five fucking minutes. (laughs) And just be alone with Raw, please. (laughs) You have a, what do you call it? Like a cult leader kind of status. Yes. I have noticed that people around you and your classes have gotten, they're like, Bobby Oliver, she's my leader. 
I've had to tell people before, like, I'm not your, your, your spiritual guru, <laughs> right. you know, take it down a notch. So, you know, not to say that they're necessarily a stalker, but just to say that I, you know, I've had to like kind of space out what I do. And, um, well, I mean, you, you're, you have sort of Eastern you, cause you're Buddhist, right? Yes. So you have like a, an Eastern philosophical approach to your life and that is spilled over into your comedy. Comedy is so personal, you know, yeah. it's your whole self. It's your, you're the writer, the producer, the costumer, the performer, the, mm -hmm. you know, the um, publicist, you're everything. And so yeah. it's incredibly personal. And so when I'm teaching comedy, I put all of me into it. I'm not kind of holding back. And because of the philosophy, um, you know, that it, it does just become this real kind of life changing experience mm -hmm. for people. And I understand that. That's true. And it's a different approach because you because your book, The Tao of Comedy, is uh, I like mentioning it because it's like it's really a unique approach to comedy. You're helping people find themselves and find their their persona and their who they are. And you're getting rid of their egos. Mm -hmm. Egoless comedy. Isn't that what you say? Right. And I'm just trying to de-hack comedy, de-hack mm -hmm. comedy one comic at a time. Right. Because comedy has become a marketing scheme. Mm, you know? how, how so? What do you mean? It's become a means to an end. You know? Oh, right. To get your sitcom or you're this. Uh, yeah, to take yeah. over the Tonight Show, to, to you know, uh, make a lot of money. Yeah. And mm. it's just, and it infects, you know, people are always like, this is killing comedy. That's If anything's killing comedy, it's that. It's right. that using comedy to be, you know, a means to an end. And I, right. I, I quote in my class, Alan Watts says, the purpose of dancing is not to land on a certain spot on the floor when the music mm -hmm. stops. The purpose of dancing is to dance. Right. So the purpose of doing comedy is not to get some carrot at the end of the stick. It's right, to right. express yourself, not to be more marketable, more castable or get rich or whatever. Because yeah. if all you care about is that, you're going to wake up 20 years from now and realize you missed the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I guess it's, it's like sex. You don't want to be doing it just to get rich. I mean, you know. Although I'm not above it. <laughs> <laughs> but it's actually one of the best ways, feeling ways to get rich, I guess. If you use sex to get rich, it should be because you enjoy doing that. Because sex work is real work. But, you know, what we're talking about is cultivating a state of mind from which comedy continuously arises. Mm. so like the flow the zone or yes and they call it being in the zone they call it going with the flow mm. and so many people say it from all these different fields they're all saying the same thing yeah, sports meditation music yoga music yeah miles davis said it's the space between the notes that count i think you have that in your book you said it's the notes you don't play that yeah. matter a lot of the quotes you have in your book, it's it coincides with your uh, love of the pause. And, um, you know, I remember that. I remember you would always talk about pause. It's the pause. Everybody's afraid to pause. And it's like, uh, oh, and you have a tattoo. I in have your the hand. word pause tattooed on my wrist. Yeah, <laughs> it's the secret to my Kung Fu. Right. And we're talking about the pause on stage and in your life. You know, we're talking about utilizing meditation and mindfulness to, you know, a path to your persona is a path to your true self. Mm. So meditation and mindfulness to find out who you really are. 
and what yeah. you want to talk about and what you want to express. Well, you you see, you have a very um, uh, what's the word I'm going to say? Not a very pious way, of, a very spiritually endowed way of approaching artistry and comedy. But, and I mean, in a lot of fields, everybody's kind of not doing that. I mean, they say they're doing it, but they're kind of like they're trying to get on a TV show. They're trying to be famous, mm-hmm. and no, my mm-hmm. parents didn't pay attention to me, so I'm going to be famous and. And they think fame or wealth and all mm-hmm. that stuff is in it. And few people like doing it to find themselves or enjoy the artistry of it. Like you say, enjoy the dance. You know, I want to be mm-hmm. rich and famous when I grow up kind of mm-hmm. thing. And mm-hmm. then, you know, at some point you have to start noticing that that comedy is twofold. One is, you know, a, an expression of your true self. Uh, and, you know, organic and not contrived and, you know, the art side of comedy. And then there's the entertainment industrial complex. Mm-hmm. Comedy Central has a specific demographic Take that factory. it is appealing to. And they are cho- choosing people based on which, well, which you get on things like Comedy Central based on which particular gatekeeper you got past at that time. Mm-hmm. And so if you conflate success with whether or not you're on have achieved this or that or whatever when that that path you is not even based on the quality of your work to begin with you're making a choice whether it's conscious or subconscious am i going to use comedy or whatever it is to Mm -hmm. as a path to my true self to my authentic voice or am i going to use comedy is just one more thing that the voice in my head tortures me with Wait, wow, wait, that's kind of deep. Say that again. Am I am I going to do comedy as a path to my true self? Mm-hmm. Or am I going to do comedy in such a way that it's just ammunition for the voice? That is con- it's just one more way for the voice to tell me I'm not good enough. I'm not one of them. I'm mm-hmm. not, or, you know, whatever. It depends on oh, whatever you. angle your, your voice, your ego is working on you. And yeah, yeah. so you can, you've seen it. You can pursue comedy in such a way that it, that it allows you to express yourself and have a tangible means of processing trauma mm-hmm. in your life and other things. Right. Or you can use comedy to just constantly beat up on yourself and be miserable. And, you know, you know, plenty of people who are pursuing comedy in a way that makes them miserable. Well, I mean, it does amplify the neuroses you have, and it's an echo chamber to the truth of wherever you stand. So if you're, uh, if you're headed towards a healing place, it heals you more, helps heal you more because you get to express through the expression. But if you're going through a lot of neuroses, it actually just goes, it, it's, it's like a mirror almost. It shows you exactly mm-hmm. where you are. And so then you're amplifying that. <laughs> and if you're doing comedy, you have you have a neuroses at at least. They did a study on you know a number <laughs> of different fields and found that comedians are the most mentally ill mm. of all performers. That we are uh, they use the word psychotic, but they also you know part of the definition of psychosis is that we make connections between things that don't that aren't connected, mm-hmm. and that's a skill in comedy. Right. Mm. Most people are not going to go out, uh, you know, uh, in rain, sleet, snow or whatever, you know, I mean, this is L.A., so heat and and rain (laughs) once a year. Um, They're not going to go out, wait three hours to go up, sit through a bunch of people they don't want to listen to, pay five dollars, do three minutes or Mm. whatever. You know, most people are going to stay home with their 
significant other and their dog and they're going to watch tv most people aren't going to put themselves through that i mean i feel like that about a lot of the arts like i mean i see ballerinas and i'm like jesus there's stuff that they're they're getting psychologically brow beaten and you know and having told to lose weight and do this and it's it's and their feet like yeah uh, yeah. there's no such thing as like a casual ballerina no. Or like a, you know, like somebody who just kind of does hobby. <laughs> yeah. Like you, you know, uh, there, I don't know if you've ever seen what happens to a ballerina's foot, their feet, but like that, you have to be like, that's something you have to be. You don't do that because you want to, you know, you do yeah, it because you, you have to. But there's a love that, I mean, I mean, I see what you're saying, but I feel like some people are drawn it. There's like, they're drawn to it. There's a love for it that it could be abusive relationship sometimes (laughs) but there's a love there and then some people are just kind of like i see a lot of actors especially like you know like well i'm gonna try to get a sitcom or i'm this and those people always annoy me because i was like you don't really have a love for it i feel like yeah you're you're disrespecting my woman you know what i mean (laughs) (laughs) that's why like people like january 1st people like oh the fucking new year's revolution resolution people <laughs> in here at the open mic can't wait till they fuck off in a, two weeks or whatever right, right. <laughs> well you start to realize we have a lot uh, there's a lot of commonality in all, in a lot of us. You think that you're different from this cowboy, and you start talking about your friend being cheap or whatever, and he's like, "That's yep," and he starts pointing to his friend, and he's like, "That's just like my friend." Or mm-hmm. yeah, my I got my heart broken too, you know. You're he's like, like, "My friend's a loser too." <laughs> exactly, exactly. I'm <laughs> recognized in prison. This guy's a loser. <laughs> 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 are you the only one in your fa- so you're the only one in your family in the arts oh yeah absolutely I, my family are like factory workers and mm. my mom was a telephone operator well my parents met working in a cotton mill in case you're wondering how southern i am <laughs> that's southern. They, yeah they met working in a cotton mill and then uh at some my daddy actually that's not true my daddy is an artist my daddy is a, a he calls himself a woodworker, but I call him a wood artist. Like he makes the most beautiful things, the most beautiful things. And then he, t- after my mama died, he took up painting and he turned out to be really good at painting too. So, yeah. Uh, there's a lot of Shakespeare quotes in your um, uh, book. For the quotes. So I, so I started li- when I moved to UGA. So I was raised a Southern Baptist. Let me start there. I was raised a Southern Baptist. So obviously I'm an atheist. Yeah, I went running, screaming into the night away from Southern Baptist. But when we moved to Athens, the UGA radio station would play lectures every Sunday by this man named Alan Watts. And Alan Watts was a public speaker. He was a theologian, but he mostly loved to talk about Taoism and Zen Buddhism. Mm -hmm. Those were his um, favorite topics. And he just, I've listened to so many amazing, I have this huge CD collection, huge CD collection of his 
of his speeches. And it just completely like changed my life. And so I started reading a bunch about Taoism and Zen Buddhism. And then when I decided to write the book, I went back and researched and started reading a lot more about it. And so because from the time I had the idea of the Tao comedy until the time it was a book you could hold in your hand was mm. eight years. Mm. So for eight years, as I did research, I collected quotes. Every time I would see somebody say something that fit um, my book, uh, I would save that quote. So I had a huge long um, thing of quotes just so it, I had plenty of time to kind of gather them. And you see just from all the different fields they're from that everybody is basically saying the same thing. And Taoism, Tao is spelled T-A-O. Tao means the path or the way. So the Tao of comedy just means the true path of comedy. Just means, yes. Um, So the Tao of comedy is the path of comedy. um, Taoism is understood. It's the true path of comedy, the true nature of a thing. And you don't do comedy. Comedy does you. That, I mean, I do feel that way. I believe you don't choose the joke. The joke chooses you. And it chooses how it wants to be told. I wish I could be like this every time. But when I've done improv, you kind of wake up as you're coming off stage. <laughs> like snap, you, you come back into your body and you're like, you see people clapping and laughing. And you're like, wait, who was up there? I, I'm not that funny. <laughs> <laughs> you, you kind of felt like you got help. You know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah, that's what that's what I mean. Cultivating a state of mind from which comedy continuously arises. Mm -hmm. So instead of being like, oh, what's funny? You basically are you show up in your own life. You Mm -hmm. you know, Zen Buddhism is about having a transformation of consciousness Mm -hmm. so that you can you can experience life directly without filtering through the voice in your head, filtering through the ego. And so that's what the Tao of comedy is. So we all have, there's a story in Hinduism that says God split itself into everything, every rock, every tree, every squirrel, Mm -hmm. every person. So God could see itself from every possible point of view. Mm -hmm. So like, it's literally your job from from the universe to report things back from your point of view. So if we are all cells in the body of God, then we are all the creator. So we have that creativity in us all the time. But when we're walking through, life and that voice is just constantly narrating rock tree that guy i hate you know there's no place to write there's that space that's needed you know we all want that big idea that aha that big aha moment but that that aha moment needs a space to move into right it's kind of like uh the dalai lama says if you when you speak you're just regurgitating what you already know but when you listen is when you learn so it's like taking that time to Mm -hmm. quiet as opposed to project 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 exactly so if you want something first pursue nothing because something needs a space to move into you know i never go on stage without doing a meditation without going in the corner or in the bathroom stall and Mm -hmm. you know focusing on my breath and lowering my heart rate and bringing myself back into my you know like you're talking about you have that out-of-body experience Mm -hmm. my goal in life is to be as present as possible my my, you know i tell my students your your homework is to every to catch yourself thinking every time you catch yourself thinking come back to where you are right now what you're doing right now what you're looking at right now when I'm in the present moment and I go out in the world, I feel like funny things glisten. Right, right, right. <laughs> and if you can't be friends with the now, if you're all about the future, if you get that thing you finally wanted, you're only going to enjoy it like a minute. 
Right. And then you're on to the next carrot and the next stick. But maybe it just never stops. <laughs> like <laughs> I've embraced the fact that, oh, no, I'm not ever going to stop. <laughs> you know what I mean? You can be extremely motivated mm-hmm. and, and still, you know, following, following the Dow. You can still have goals. I mean, I've accomplished a lot. I'm from a trailer park in Georgia. I own a comedy school in L.A., you know. It's about to turn 10 years old. You're like Virginia Slims. You come a long way, baby. <laughs> I should start smoking Virginia Slims <laughs> within a holder. <laughs> You've come a long way, baby. But yeah, I mean, it's not about not not want you know having goals or or accomplishing anything. No, I just mean like you know how people think happiness is this one place, this destination, yes. and then you sit back and chill. It's like okay, you yeah. co- you're constantly growing, so now you want to expand. Now what's over there? It's like kids. You give them the, the toy and then they start playing with the box. You know, Ooh, what's this about? You know, I got, I got a question. Who are some of your favorite comics? Well, um, going to sound like bullshit, but yeah. Sally Mullins and Chris Oliver really are, oh, those two, are your my two favorite. And my husband is that, but they just, I mean, so brilliant. And they kill like, by the way, watch my comedy special. Have you seen my comedy special role on Amazon? Yeah. Yes. You did. Yes, I did. I told Dion about it. Oh, yeah. So watch my comedy special, Bobby Oliver, Greatest Hits. But also watch Sally's comedy special called Sleazy Does It. Um, (laughs) But yeah, I like Maria Bamford. I also really like you. Uh, I was asked (laughs) to give my recommendations for who should be in that Vulture Magazine top comics a few months ago when you were one of the people I I recommend. Yeah, I I can prove it to you if you don't believe me. I'll show you the email. That's a little... um, Kate Cantor is really good. Um, there's so much good comedy out there. And if you're a regular person listening to this, just know that the best comedy is not really happening in big comedy clubs. Right. The best comedy is happening in all these little places around. What do you think the difference is between, because you were just naming all these people that they don't have Netflix specials. You're like one of the only ones that has a special, but yet they're brilliant. So what do you think that is? Well, and a lot of people who have specials, nobody's laying eyes on those specials. Nobody's paying much attention to it. When I saw your special, I was thinking, like, like you should have been had a special. <laughs> well, I produced that special. You know, I invested like $3,000 in it and put it out there. You know, it's a greatest hits album. So I wanted it to be, you know, higher quality. You have got to stop taking Facebook quizzes. <laughs> They're data theft, and they're not even trying to hide it anymore. Nowadays, Facebook quizzes are like, what does your social security number say about you? (laughs) Enter it, and we'll tell you what Disney princess you would be. And we're back. (laughs) We're back. Bobby Oliver from Athens. Well, outside of Athens, Georgia, right? I claim to be from Athens. Comedy, uh, le- not you know, you're not a legend. This is comedy. comedy. <laughs> I'm not a legend. <laughs> well, no, because it's gonna sound old. Comedy guru, comedy guru, extraordinary. <laughs> yeah, I'm too old to have potential. To answer your question, in art, the cream does not always rise to the top. I mean, ve- very often it is what appeals to the masses. What appeals to the lowest common denominator and mm-hmm. what appeals to the masses tends to be hack. 
So if you want to be famous, be hack as fuck. Not that everybody famous is hack. So is it the audience or is it the gatekeepers? It's easier to sell hack. I I think it's the gatekeepers because I see people who wouldn't make it past a certain gatekeeper necessarily, but audiences fucking love. If people are not pushing a lot of boundaries in, mm. in a particular place, then they're not letting the audience even have a chance to kind of expand what they think is mm. is funny. That's true, because you see a lot of people when you're on the road, you see a lot of people who are just destroying, and I've never seen their special. Yeah, and so many, you know, like rapey comics and so many racist and homophobic mm. comics. I'm probably pushing more boundaries here than I did when I was on the road on the East Coast. Mm. But, you know, at some point, but because of the Internet, like your audience will find you. Yeah. So you can be as true to your voice as you want to. You know, I'm a feminist comedian, so. Right. Um, I can be a feminist comedian and my people find me. Speaking of that, you were like one of the trailblazers. And what do you, how do you see it's changed for women? Like we have the longest running women only Mike in LA. It's actually older mm-hmm. than Dow. So it's, it's already 10 years old. Now there are multiple women's mics all over town. So that's good. Um, Dow is an intersectional feminist comedy space. And so we, our goal is to Dove comedy, by the way, Dow comedy studio. So our goal is to give a platform to marginalized voices. So yeah, we're not the only one in town, you know? Well, cause for a while, it seemed like you were one of the only shows in town. That's how it's changed. I guess. It's yeah. Yeah. I'm not the head feminist anymore. Maybe. <laughs> I don't how does know. that make you feel? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, it's good. It's good. Yeah. But, but I also think, you know, uh, and not just women and, and, you know, a lot of people are able to kind of do, you know, produce their own show or their own mic or whatever, because mm-hmm. the opportunities are just, are just, you know, there, you know, my thing is that I, I create opportunities that I want to exist. Mm-hmm. So really everything I do is actually selfish. That's why I created the comedian suppression group. I was depressed, <laughs> right, right. you know? So I just, anytime I have an, an experience that is not a good experience. I like mm-hmm. to create that good experience. I was in a festival once where the meet and greet between the comedians and the and the bookers was at a strip club. So I wanted to create a, a place where I not felt that there's comfortable. Anything wrong with but no, clubs. who wants to do bit? You're just assuming everybody wants to do business with titties in their face. Right, right, right. You know, I always tell women make it make it your own opportunity, then reach back for a sister. And by that you mean not a black girl. <laughs> Any, 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 (laughs) any, any color, (laughs) any, any woman, any marginalized voice, any, you know, but yeah, people who, you know, reach back for someone. Mm. And, and by the way, I'm married to a straight white male comic. Some of my best friends are straight white (laughs) male comics. (laughs) And, but that's okay. We won't hold that against them. (laughs) No, I know what you're saying, but I don't know why anybody, you know, would be resistant to someone saying they're feminist or or LGBTQ or whatever, double black, or whatever the hell. Is out, is out there. <laughs> I'm double black. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think of myself, I'm black from America and from the Caribbean. <laughs> I see you black and I raise, I'll raise you black. <laughs> I raise you blacker. Yeah. <laughs> always bet on double black. <laughs> 
No, but the way I feel about it, I never think of the group, but I think if someone is being marginalized, not seen or mistreated, that like, I'm all about it. You know what I mean? So I don't have the title in my head of like, oh, I'm this, I'm that. But I just think, yeah, this ain't right. Why? Like, it doesn't matter. Like you said, we're all one, right? Well, like, and you look at, you know, you look at flyers in particular places uh, and it's just like all dudes. I've pointed out things before where I've been like, um, you know, this, look at this flyer with 20 people on, they're all dudes, no women on this flyer. And then somebody would write, yeah, Bobby, there are also no people of color on this flyer. And I was like, oh shit. Yeah. Like I had that blind spot, you know, like it had to be pointed out to me. I'm just looking for how many women I'm not looking for how many, you know, um, people of color, LGBT Mm -hmm. folks. Oh, and when we expanded down, we put in a wheelchair accessible bathroom and got ramps for the two stages because that's another thing. Like you did, you know, if if one person can't come and perform because, because of that, then that's one Mm -hmm. person too many. It's also good for skateboarders. Oh, you know, I roller skate around there. <laughs> yeah. Don't even act like I don't roller skate at Dow because I do. Yeah. I love that. And yeah. by the way, I, I was, if not the only, I'm certainly that I know of the first person to ever talk about ethics and comedy in, mm-hmm. in a comedy book. But because there are so many people who are woke now uh, and who don't want to do or hear racist, you know, misogynistic stuff, mm-hmm. then there are comics who spring up as you know as the backlash to that who do more racist more misogynistic more homophobic because they're the anti-woke crowd Mm -hmm. so they're like trying to ride you know the wave of the the p we're not pc crowd we you know and they go on and on about free speech free speech it's like were you arrested for telling that joke no then you had free speech that's Mm -hmm. the definition of free speech it doesn't mean other people don't get an opinion on whatever shitty thing you said. So, you know, they yeah. spring up, you know, they, uh, in, in, in Zen, it's, you know, it says everything yeah. is in everything inspires it, it, you know, its own opposite. Everything is interdependent mm-hmm. upon its own opposite. So yeah, like the yin yang, like you can't have good without evil. Yeah. Well, that's how you know what funny is by seeing what funny is not. Exactly. And that's how you know how to make a joke work because it didn't work and you figured out why it didn't work. Right. I'm kind of surprised that there's there's enough of the counterculture so that you can have a racist room. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Rapey room. You know, I mean, the comedy store. You know, and, mm-hmm. and so people go, well, if you don't like it, don't go to comedy club. Just don't go. Guess what? They stop going. Yeah. Guess what? That's another club that's going to close. That's another mm-hmm. night of the week. There's not going to be comedy. That's enough. Yeah. So, you know, you're not doing comedy in your living room. If people are paying to get in, they have an opinion. It is weird that you bring up an interesting point, because sometimes I do see certain comics. I don't, I'm not into trying to judge people's thing, but I, I see people and I go, um, you know, you, you actually should get therapy. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like some of the stuff they're saying when they're angry about their spouse or some of it sounds so violent that I'm like, this is not funny anymore. We should probably call somebody. <laughs> well, yeah. And there's that's half half the open mic in a lot of places. Wow. I don't know yeah. if you've ever seen that the, they were saying if you women, what would you do if there was one day without men? 
one day where there were no men on the planet, what would you do? And every one of them said, um, go for a walk at night <laughs> or yeah. wear whatever I wanted or, you know, mm-hmm. something about not or like, yeah, walk it, being able to walk with headphones on or, you know, so many things that yeah, just about I, just being safe. And I think if there was a day without women on the planet, wow, the things that what I would do is probably stay home crying. Men, men would just sleep all day <laughs> yeah, and hope it would hurry up. Uh-huh. Like this sucks. It's like one of my house parties. <laughs> They're like, who's gonna clean this up? <laughs> one of my house parties. <laughs> <laughs> so where do you see this all going? I mean, where, where, where would you <laughs> all this positivity crap? Oh, uh, believe me, there's nothing you. you <laughs> I'm just kidding. there's nothing positive about me. You know <laughs> that. There's kidding. nothing. Yeah, I'm not. I'm again. The best thing that ever happened to me was learning the phrase toxic positivity. Mm. I'm I'm definitely <laughs> just a, a bitter ass um, comic. Uh, I mean, where do I see it going? I just want to, you know, my goal. So I'm about the process. I'm about the process, not the result. So Mm. I am successful as long as I'm continuing to, you know, uh, speak from my authentic voice, Mm -hmm. uh, speak truth to power. Mm. Um, As long as I'm, you know, nurturing other people's voices and giving people a platform, especially people who wouldn't otherwise have one. Um, And to just continue to, every time I find out I have a blind spot, try to see you know, see in a new way or, you know, incorporate more things into my, my field of understanding. Um, because it's not really that hard to just kind of treat people like they want to be treated. Yeah. On that note, thank you, Bobby Oliver. I've had <laughs> so much fun. This was so great. This is so cool to talk to you and to let I want, I'm glad that people get to hear who you are and like you're, you, you are, a comedian extraordinaire and a comedy teacher and a comedy guru and and from what i heard a sex god (laughs) (laughs) we should have said that on there (laughs) that would have got me more students oh we're still rolling (laughs) oh okay (laughs) you know i actually learned a lot from the me too movement yeah yeah i learned that i'm touching people without their permission Um, you know i'm making dirty jokes to people in you know in in the things that are inappropriate i'm saying and doing inappropriate things so you know i had to like catch Mm. myself and and like really learn that it's not just men you know maybe maybe somebody in my class some guy in my class doesn't think it's funny when i hit on him in class you know like i think it's funny but maybe they don't you know maybe somebody doesn't want to smack on the butt when they walk by me (laughs) you know it's not it's not football Right. <laughs> so I should play football. That's what you're saying. <laughs> That's where you can get all that. Up. I want to smack some ass. If you, you want to smack some ass, play football. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, that's a good point because, well, in comedy, we have this, we have less, less of barriers and we, and so we're, we're a little bit more forthcoming and, mm-hmm. and some of that can mean breaking certain societal taboos, you know, cause not everybody's that comfortable. And we don't have an HR. Yeah. We can't say, hey, this dude keeps, every time he introduces me on stage, he like hugs me way too tight or he like Mm -hmm. makes a joke about wanting to fuck me when I leave the stage or, you know, we don't have, we have to roll with a certain number of punches, but. Yeah. Cause then you, 
Uh, but Bobby, uh, uh, thank you so much for for doing this and joining me. And, thank you so much, and, and you, thank you. For I want book. you to come to Dow. Oh, I am, and I want to tell people about your book. We'll talk about this off off. Okay. Dow of Comedy, you got to check it out. Embrace the pause. Um, P A U S E. By the way, not the P A W. Not pause. Not pause. <laughs> but uh, Bobby uh, is an amazing uh, comedian and also a teacher, really good at bringing your or helping you discover your persona. Yes. And uh, amazing uh, person. So say, say bye, Bobby. <laughs> I love you all. Love you. Bye. Thank you for doing bye. this. Bye. Bye, everybody. Stop, drop, and roll. Ha, 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 ha.